0: Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. <laughs>
1: Rise and shine, people. It's time to make some money betting on the NFL. In this segment, we'll take our first look at the upcoming week in the NFL. Then at 7.20, it's on to the futures market as we examine the Super Bowl futures of who wins it all. Then at 7.40, it's a teaser Tuesday. I'll give you my best teaser legs. I've got two solid ones. And then you guys tell me what the third option should be for my teaser of the week jenks i've got to tip my hat to the people who stayed up late and watched Mm -hmm. the disaster of a game that was the bears and the vikings why are some of these games so bad like i don't remember the games in the nfl having so Mm -hmm. many dumpster fire results like in previous years like maybe i'm over exaggerating and i do remember last year because we had to watch the broncos in primetime a bunch So we did watch some really bad games there. But do you think that we are seeing a downturn in good offenses in the NFL?
0: I think we're seeing a downturn in the quality of play overall. And Tom Brady was talking about this last week where he said we're seeing more mediocrity than we've seen in the NFL in a long time, which is why scoring is down and which is why we see some of these games that are just really Bad football. Now, Tom was also talking about how there needs to be more aggressiveness from the NFL and allowing harder hits, which I agree. But also, you could also make the argument that no player was more protected in his career than Tom Brady. No one got more calls than Tom Brady. And listen, he earned it, right? He's the GOAT. Both things can be true. But to your point, yes, there has been a downturn. I'm not quite sure why that is, but I think there's a couple of reasons for this I think as the season goes on and we're not there yet but remember the NFL added an extra game now we're not at the end of the season but football is a violent game so you've added one more game and also teams are playing on such short rest periods where look we saw the first Black Friday game in history in the NFL and why did we see that it's a very fascinating story it's because That's against the rules, actually. There was a rule in place so that college football can have its place in the football pantheon. But Amazon came along and said, we'll pay you $100 million to broadcast a game on Black Friday. And that's because they wanted to target advertising to specific customers, which is a very fascinating subject in and of itself. Regardless, think about the NFL. You've got teams going overseas. You've got Monday night football. You've got Thursday night football. You had a Friday night football game. You've got Sunday football. The NFL wants to dominate everything, and they already do. And it's incremental. We don't notice it at first, right? First, it's Sunday football, Monday football, and then it's the Thursday game. Now it's a Friday game. Now we're playing in Europe. I think all of this, after a while, takes its toll on these players. And so as the season goes on, you see a little bit of exhaustion and you see guys with schedules all over the place. And I think you put all of that together and you have a, a quality of play that starts to diminish, but I don't think the NFL cares because the NFL is making money hand over fist. Like they always do.
1: Do you think this would have an impact on both sides though? Like, do you think it would cancel out because both the offense and the defense have to go through this rigors, like this rigorous of a schedule. Cause I get what you're saying. And it does feel like this is the one thing different as opposed to years past that we could maybe point at and say, okay, this is the one thing that's different in the equation. And maybe Mm -hmm. this is the reason for it. So I totally get why you're bringing it up. I'm just thinking, okay, if this is the case, wouldn't it pertain to both sides of the ball?
0: It does, but also tired legs are tired legs. And you know, physical pain or physical injury, because all these guys are playing hurt on some level, is a thing. And and this is going to be maybe this sounds like too much of an outlier. The NFL needs to do something about playing surfaces as well. I understand it's harder mm-hmm. to maintain grass, but this has kind of been a thing too. Aaron Rodgers was talking about this when he tore his Achilles. Where, look, remember the Super Bowl This is a perfect example. Guys are slipping and sliding around, and. That was clearly, by many people's estimations, even experts in the field, they were saying this is a terrible surface, and it's not only is it bad for football, it's dangerous. And what did the NFL say? Well, you should have worn better cleats. Wear long cleats. That's on you. Like they don't care as long as they're making money. But that's another issue. So I don't think it's one specific thing. I think it's a lot of things together, and then. And then once you put all of those little things together, then over time, yeah, we start to see offenses start to diminish. We start to see a quality of football that isn't what we're used to seeing. And maybe maybe it's a one-off. Maybe this is just one season where, look, the quality of play isn't that great. So I don't want to overreact to it. But I, I don't think it's one particular reason.
1: I think you are on to something when you kind of mention how the NFL does not care what the quality of product is. So why would the NFL be motivated to continue to try to make the product better if they know we're going to sit there and watch, you know, Giants-Patriots regardless? Like, that's the thing. Like, we Mm -hmm. sit here and, you know, shake our fists about how bad some of these games are, but yet we're sitting here and we're watching it. So it just feels like the NFL has no motivation to do things the right way. Like the Super Bowl, you had an entire year to get the playing surface right. You have an unlimited budget. You are a huge corporation. You couldn't do one thing right here. It feels very elementary, but Roger Goodell has the luxury of saying, mm, whatever, people are going to watch anyway. It's no right. skin off my back. I'm going to make the same amount of money. So I think that goes into it as well. But there are some good games, and there are still some good offenses. Although, I don't have the luxury of watching them because I am in the Tennessee Titans viewing area. I get to watch that offense. And I had to watch the Panthers offense this past week. But let's look at the upcoming schedule and see if maybe there are some good games that maybe we'll want to watch. Because here's the thing. Even if they're bad games and even if it's low-quality offenses, you can still find ways to bet on them. Because if you are taking all of this what we're saying to heart, when you take a look at some of these totals and say, okay, even though the total in the Falcons-Jets game is 35 and a half, some of these offenses mm-hmm. are so bad that it feels like betting on Iowa football. The number doesn't seem to be low <laughs> enough. So would you take what we just said and put that into playing an under in any of these games?
0: Ooh, I'm trying to look at which game would fit that bill. Like Falcons,
1: Jets, 35 and a half.
0: God, Falcons, Jets. <laughs> yeah. God. That that game just, it was like getting a punch to the gut. I'm like, Falcons, Jets. Ugh. Yeah, probably. Because the Jets do have a good defense. The Falcons are not, the AFC or the NFC South is just so bad anyway. And the Jets can't move the football. Doesn't that, doesn't that scream like that game's going to be 17 I don't know, 10, something 10? like that. Yeah. Yeah. It it feels like, and I don't know who's going to cover that game. I don't want to bet a side on that. But I do think if you're looking at two teams that have a hard time moving the ball on offense, there's not a lot of offensive talent on the board on either side. Yeah. Bijan is great, but who's going to get him the ball? Desmond Ritter's fair at best. Tim Boyle's going for the Jets. Yeah. I think the under is probably the right call there.
1: God, I'm looking at this 1 p.m. slate for Sunday, and it's not looking like it's going to be much better than last week's Sunday 1 p.m. window. Like, I was just going to ask you, which of these games are you most excited to watch? But I don't see a single game on here that people outside of, like, their viewership are going to want to watch. Like, I'm going to watch the Titans and the Colts because that's, you know, a big rivalry. Titans don't have anything to play for, but at least we can see if Will Levis is the answer at quarterback. But Jenks is somebody who is not a Titans fan. Is there a game mm. on here that you actually are interested in?
0: Well, that is a great question, Chelsea. <laughs> you know, I will I will say this. I will say this. This is not a great game, but please hear me out. Panthers at Bucks, And I know, oh. garbage game. I know, I know. But aren't you sort of interested to see if if Frank Reich being gone has any sort of positive effect on Bryce Young. You said it yourself yesterday, and I thought it was a very astute point, which was if you watch the Panthers' offense and Frank Reich was brought in for his tutelage, potentially, of Bryce Young because he is known as an offensive guy to bring Bryce Young along, it didn't happen. And you were talking about, I'm so sick and tired of seeing the Panthers on a third and 12, third and 13th on a screen pass. What are they doing? And I said, well, you're like, I know what you said. I was part of this conversation. But my thought was, okay, maybe they're trying to protect Bryce Young. Maybe they don't have enough confidence in him, and he doesn't have a great line. Well, maybe, just maybe, Frank Reich is part of the problem. I don't – it can't be much worse. I mean, this is is a Carolina team that I don't think has scored more than 15 points in their past, what, three or four games. They've been awful on the road. So – Just like when Matt Canada left the Steelers, and I didn't foresee this happening, the Steelers' offense racked up more than 400 yards for the first time in ages. So I am curious to see if a change for the Panthers means we'll see any sort of improvement at all with Bryce Young. I'm not excited about the game, but I do think it's an interesting storyline.
1: Oh, for sure. Even though, doesn't this feel like a different situation? Because when you're referring to... I think it's called the dead cat bounce when a coach is fired and the team actually does better when he is off the team, when the coach is kind of a problem in the locker room. Like look at Las Vegas, Josh McDaniels, clearly there was a culture problem in Las Vegas and Mm -hmm. a lot of the players did not like him. I'm not sure if that's the case with Frank Reich because entering the season, I personally thought it was a great hire. I think he's well-respected among NFL ranks, I didn't hear about Mm -hmm. a lot of dissension among the ranks and among the players saying like, Oh, Frank Reich is the problem. Granted, I'm not in the locker room. So that very well could be the case, but I just don't see it here. And the same goes with the situation with Matt Canada. Haven't people been calling for his firing for years? It feels like I don't think it's necessarily the same situation with Frank Reich. I think Bryce Young's the problem, but that's just my two cents.
0: No, I don't disagree with you. I think, However, when you're in the midst of losing so much or struggling so much, it's not necessarily that someone isn't doing a good job or that they're not a good locker room person or that they don't have good relationships with the players. But sometimes when you're losing and you get in a rut, you need a new voice. You just need to mm-hmm. hear a message that, that's different because you've heard it before. And you, and when you're winning, look, that cures everything, right? You can hear the same message and it doesn't matter. You're like, yeah, we'll keep listening to this guy. We're winning. But I'm not saying they're tuning out or they were tuning out, Frank Wright, but sometimes you just have to make a change just for the sake of saying, let's get a different narrative, a different mentality. Let's hear a different voice, a different type of motivation just to shake things up. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, The players didn't like Frank Wright because you're right. Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas, totally different situation. But here, a change needed to be made, I think, just out of principle.
1: Well, obviously, I think there are plenty of head coaches who have been fired just because the team needed a change. And sometimes it's not even their fault. It's just an organization that has buried themselves so far with terrible picks with terrible trades that now they don't have any good players. It seems like, so I don't know if Frank Wright could have done anything differently, but it will be an interesting situation to see unfold looking at some of the rest of these games. Do we think Pittsburgh deserves to be laying six points against the upstart Cardinals and Kyler Murray?
0: Hmm. Oh. I we've seen money come in on the cards. Oh, It's five and, and a half now. Yeah, it's five and a half now. So it's come down from Steelers minus six to Steelers minus five and a half. I don't really want to put my money on the cards, but I will also say that this number seems way too high. I I like the Steelers. Mike Tomlin continues to do a good job. That offense has gotten better, but are they five points better? Six points better than the cards? I don't know about that. This is a team that wins by like three or four points.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not buying it into Pittsburgh. I am not looking at their offense no and saying, oh, this is an offense is going to put up 400 yards every single week, even though the Cardinals' defense is very bad and always a welcome sight for whoever is playing them on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but some of these other games, the Thursday night game looks interesting. Seahawks uh, and Cowboys, the Cowboys length seven and a half. Normally the handicap is the Cowboys beat the breaks off really bad teams, but I don't think the Seahawks are a bad team. So I think that's an interesting one, at least if we are talking about the spread seven and a half, it, le- it looks a little too high for me, but also a home game for Dallas where the Cowboys offense has been really, really solid. Coming up next, it's time to look at the futures market. Who wins it all? Is it the Eagles? Is it the Niners? Is it somebody else with even longer odds? We'll tell you next on The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. welcome back to the daily tip presented by bet mgm with michael jenkins and chelsea messenger on the bet ql network good morning we're off and rolling in hour two of the daily tip in this segment we'll take a look at the latest super bowl odds and see if we can find some value and value doesn't always mean taking the long shots If you can get a good team at a good price, it's still considered value. Jenks, I am just shaking my head because I'm reading some of the tweets Mm -hmm. that are trending right now. David Tepper is trending right now, which is not a good thing for Panthers fans. You know my husband is a Panthers fan, right? So I've been trying to talk him out of the darkness that is looking at the Panthers (laughs) for the foreseeable future, and it doesn't look good. But here's the thing. I don't think Frank Reich is the problem. I think the problem is David Tepper. Like, everybody is pointing at him. And the problem is, he is the owner. So he's not going to fire mm-hmm. himself, obviously. But when he came to the Panthers uh, in, 20, in 2018, the Panthers were 6-2. and two. Since then, Carolina has combined to go 24-61. and 61. He has done some terrible trades including the one that traded away DJ Moore, all of their Mm -hmm. draft picks. Now they don't even have a first round pick this year. So what do you do as a sports fan when you see your franchise just dangling by a thread and the future doesn't even have any glimmer of hope?
0: Well, you're asking the right person because I am a commander's fan. And let me tell you, (laughs) I've been through this year after year after year. After There's nothing you can do. That's I think that's the most frustrating thing of all is that you can't do anything. You just have to sit around and wait for things to change and hope that they change. And I don't want to make this about Texas, but to your point, when you've had a history of success and then all of a sudden you go through this long spell where you've had none and your expectations are high, it's an absolute crusher. And then what do you do each year? It's a new year. And you're like, all right, well, you talk yourself into to why we might be good this year. And then you're bad again. And then you're bad again. And then you're bad again. I believe since 2018, the only team with a worse record than the Carolina Panthers is the New York Jets. I'm almost positive that's the case. Yeah. So when you say it's been a tough run, it's been a tough run. Jake, I feel you, man. Panthers fans, I understand. Because at one time, you had Cam Newton. You're playing in a Super Bowl. You got the MVP. And here you are now. You got what? A win? they won what? One game? Is that right? Holy yeah. Lord.
1: One game. <sighs> one win. And,
0: and there's no end in sight. You just fired your head coach. A, a coach that I thought was a great hire, by the way. Mm-hmm. The guy that you traded away picks for looks like he's not ready to be an NFL quarterback. It's still early. The sad answer is, Chelsea, there is no answer. You just have to be patient and hope that eventually things turn around, and that's the worst part of it all because you have no control over it.
1: Yeah, and I was like, well, at least you guys have an NBA team. Oh, wait, you have the Hornets. Never mind, sweetie. (laughs) Let's change (laughs) the subject. Sorry, honey. Yeah, and speaking of, Michael Jordan has not done great things with that team either. Didn't he sell a part of it, though? I think he's, like, trying to step away from it.
0: Yeah. I, yes, he did step away from that MJ as an owner, not nearly oh. as good as MJ, the player. So it's probably a good thing, even though I love MJ. Well, it was a high, bar. <laughs> it was high yes. bar. True. But yeah, I would say even if you lower the ball, he was not a great owner. But yes, you're right about that.
1: No, so it's it's tough sledding for Charlotte sports fans. Mm-hmm. But what about some of these other franchises? Like I roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, Philadelphia, weird. Their teams are good yet again. And right now, looking at the at the odds over at BetMGM, the Eagles are your favorites to win the Super Bowl at four to one. Niners plus four twenty five. Chiefs plus four fifty. Ravens plus seven fifty. Followed by the Dolphins at eight to one, and the Cowboys at ten to one. I have seen this narrative kind of floating around about the Eagles, how they are mm-hmm. one of the worst 10-1 teams to ever mm. exist in the NFL. And you've got to laugh because obviously this is hyperbole. The Eagles are not a bad team. But they haven't been winning games in dominant ways. Like They have won a lot of right. close games. They have won a lot of ugly games. And I guess you could point at other years, at teams who kind of were in the same boat, and say, look at the Vikings last year when they won all of those games by a touchdown or fewer, and then they got to the postseason, and they got smoked. Like, Obviously, I don't think that's the case for the Eagles, but do you think there is any truth to that sentiment that maybe the Eagles aren't necessarily as good as their record indicates?
0: Maybe a little bit, but at the end of the day, who was it, Bill Parcells, who said, You are what your record says you are. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter if you've gotten lucky. It doesn't matter what the metrics say. If you're winning, you are winning. And Dan Campbell had a speech to the Lions, even though they lost on Thanksgiving, cost me my parlay. (laughs) He had a speech where he was talking to the locker room and said, don't ever feel bad about a win. Ever. Ever. And I used to think... I used to think it was really dumb when coaches said this in the NFL. Winning is hard. Now, I hate when people use that as an excuse because Tom Herman at Texas said it all the time. Winning is hard. Yeah, I know, coach. But in the NFL, you hear coaches say this even more often, which is winning is really hard in the NFL. And it is. And it reminds me of, I think I told this story a few months ago, where I think it was a couple Bears players couple of young guys, and they were sitting on the sidelines talking and they were mic'd up. And one guy looks at the other and goes, man, everyone's really good. Everyone's really good in this league. And the guy goes, yeah, everyone's good. And I thought, that sounds like a simple conversation, but it's not. This is professional football. It is hard to win in the NFL. And that's why you see these upsets that come out of nowhere. You're like, how did this happen? Because the NFL, these guys are fighting for their jobs. So I say that because... You can look at all the numbers you want, but if you are 10-1 and in the National Football League, and by the way, the Eagles are only the second team, I think, in NFL history to win nine of their first 10 games in two consecutive seasons, this didn't come out of nowhere. Then you take that, and you take full credit for that, and you keep playing. So I don't buy that narrative at all.
1: And also, it's all relative to the teams that we are seeing in the NFL this year. If there was a team that was extremely dominant, say a Chiefs team of a couple Mm -hmm. years ago, but we just don't have one of those teams in the NFL this year, do we? Like the Niners have had stretches where they've looked beatable, and I think a lot of it had to do with their injuries. I think when they're at full strength, they certainly can be the best team in the entire NFL. But look at the Chiefs. Their offense doesn't Mm -hmm. look nearly as dangerous as it has in years past. Obviously, they have Patrick Mahomes, but their receivers are fully capable of dropping any pass that comes their way in big-time situations. So I think that goes into it, too. Do you think there's yeah. a team right now that sits head, head head and shoulders above the rest of the league? I feel like there's not.
0: No, I, I feel like... I think the Niners are the best team in the NFL. That's what I think. Now, I could be wrong, but... I believe they're the most complete team in the NFL. And last year, they could have beaten the Eagles. Brock Purdy got injured. We'll never know. It doesn't matter. And you can always go back to the Chiefs. The Chiefs will always be there. But I think this is the year that the Niners finally do it. If I'm putting my money down, I'm putting it on San Francisco because they can beat you in so many ways. And I think that Brock Purdy has started to erode the idea that while he may not be a top-tier quarterback, he's not just a guy that drives the car. Yes, San Francisco is immensely talented, but there are games in which Brock Purdy is lighting people up. Now, I know any quarterback in the NFL would love to have his plethora of weapons, but he is a very good quarterback. End of story. He just is. And people don't want to accept that, but he is. And the numbers bear that out. At first, it was, oh, look at Mr. Irrelevant. Look at him. He's he's, he's doing great things in the NFL. How long is he going to last? Well, it lasted all last season until he got injured. And then he went through a, a little bit of a rough spot and people said, oh, see, see? Like, guess what? He's playing great football again. And so are the Niners. So if I'm picking anyone, I think it's San Francisco. If you want to talk me into Philly or the Chiefs or someone else? Okay, fair enough. But I think it's the Niners.
1: I think so, too, because their downturn really hinged on some of their injuries. Like there was a mm-hmm. clear difference when Trent Williams was not in the ball game. He is one of the highest paid offensive linemen in the game, and for good reason. I think he's the only offensive lineman that we've ever seen try to block a guy, and the defender runs the other way. That's still one of my favorite (laughs) highlights from this entire season when they were playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I do feel like it's probably the Niners who look like the best team, at least in the NFC. And if you want to argue the Eagles, I'd be right there with you. And we still have Mm -hmm. available – The square special where you can bet both the Eagles and the Niners to win the NFC. They are both plus 170. You can take both of those bets. And if my math is correct, if one of them wins, you win yourself some money. Because don't we feel like it's a two-team race? I feel like I've been saying this all year long. In the NFC, it feels to me like it's either the Eagles or the Niners. I'm sorry, Cowboys. It ain't you.
0: I think the Cowboys are sneaky good, though. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. If they can learn to play on the road the way they play at home, I understand they just dominate the commanders, and that's so what. That's what people will say to that. I understand. But playing at home, I think Dallas has won each and every single game at home by like 20 points. Seriously. At least double digits. I need to look this up. They have been an absolute monster. In Dallas Now, clearly, they're not going to be as good on the road as they are at Jerry World, but I'm telling you, Dallas is a good football team. They have a great defense, and Dak Prescott's playing exceptional football right now. That would be—I don't know if I'm going to call the Cowboys a sleeper. You can't really call Dallas a sleeper team, but I'm saying we are going to focus on the Eagles. We are going to focus on the 49ers. I don't think it is going to be the Cowboys, but Bill just put this in the chat— they are 5-0 and at home and averaging 40 points a game. I mean, they are wagons when they play at Jerry World. So I don't know how it's going to unfold. And everyone's always on the Cowboys. I get it. They're a very publicly bet team. I'm just saying don't count them out at 10-1 to to win the Super Bowl.
1: I think that stat can be a little misleading because the Cowboys are excellent at beating up on the worst teams in football. Let's yeah. look at some of the home games that the Cowboys have played. They played the Jets. They played the mm. Patriots. They played mm. the Rams. They played Ooh. the Giants. And they played the Commanders. So, of those teams, are we going to see any of those teams in the postseason? Probably not. And also, if you are in the NFC, there is a good chance that you're not going to get one of those top seeds. Right now, the Cowboys 8-3. and three. Look at the Eagles. They're 10-1. and one. So, if you think that the Cowboys are a good team at home... You really need them to get one of those top seeds in order to, you know, get home field advantage throughout the postseason. Quickly, let's talk about the AFC, though, because do we think the Ravens are a solid value to win the Super Bowl at plus 750? Because just looking at the numbers alone, I feel like at that price, that is the one team I'm looking at and saying, okay, I think there's a chance the Ravens win this thing, especially if you're giving me plus 750.
0: Yeah, I like the Ravens. The Ravens aren't sexy, but they just get it done. And that defense is something else. And you've got an MVP candidate in Lamar Jackson. I I think I, and this is probably me being too negative when it comes to Baltimore. Losing Mark Andrews, to me, was such a gut mm-hmm. punch for someone who who thought the Ravens, and, and still thinks the Ravens have a chance to, to make a run. But you're talking about your leading receiver, a veteran guy, Lamar Jackson's not security blanket. He doesn't really need a security blanket, but he really is. Like he's the one guy that, that Lamar could always rely on. And I thought, God, that's going to hurt them down the stretch. That said, John Harbaugh has done a great job. And that defense is one of the best pressure defenses in the NFL. They get after the quarterback and I think they're not as explosive and as fun as the Eagles or Niners or Chiefs. But what they do is they grind you down on offense. They like to run the ball. They're kind of old school in that way. And then Lamar makes plays when he has to. So it doesn't have to be pretty to be effective. So I don't mind Baltimore. Not at all.
1: Especially because looking at the AFC, I feel like if we are talking about a one game sample size, like we're going to see in the postseason, I feel like the Chiefs are beatable. Like there are not a ton of good teams in the AFC. But doesn't it feel like Mm -hmm. the case this year that the Chiefs aren't blowing out people? I think nobody's going to be shocked if they win the Super Bowl. But again, it feels like a team that's beatable. So maybe that's an area where you can get some value. I'm trying to find some other teams in the AFC. I don't think I'm interested in the Dolphins. I feel like their offense is great, but against the best teams in the league, they just kind of disappear.
0: Yeah, I need to see them beat a good team and not just rack up massive numbers like you're talking about the Cowboys at home sort of similar with the Dolphins you're beating up on bad teams do it against a great team
1: yeah so I am still pending on my faith in the Dolphins offense coming back from the break it's teaser Tuesday I'm giving you my best options for this week in the NFL Hope your week is off to a wonderful start. And if it's not, maybe we can focus on the week ahead and maybe a good teaser play for this week in the NFL. In just a couple of minutes, I'll give you my teaser legs uh, for this week's teaser. Um, But a lot of it is me trying to look at the spreads and see which teams I'm buying low on and which teams I'm selling high on. I think every single week that I look at the slate, I try to think of the teams, like what are the teams that have Mm -hmm. the best narratives, you know, going into this week and what teams are maybe a little too overhyped going into this week? I think that's always a great place to start because what I've learned betting on the NFL is that it's not always about the X's and O's. It's simply looking at the market and how it stands on some of these teams. Jenks, have you tweaked your strategy betting on the NFL over the years? Because I feel like this is the only sport where I kind of take that approach. Like in baseball, I kind of trust my instincts. Mm-hmm. It's based on like starters or, you know, rest or yeah. which players are hurt. But in the NFL, I feel like more than anything, you have to consider the market.
0: Yeah, you do. I I don't know if I've tweaked my approach. I think what I've gotten better at is, and I think this goes for all sports and not just the NFL, is is not falling into traps and not falling into narratives where I used to, and I think the public can get caught up in this too, is, okay, well, this is an obvious play. There's no obvious plays in the end. If you see a play that seems obvious, then take a look at the other side. You might be right. You might be right. Your instinct may be right, and sometimes the square side is the right side. But if you see something like, oh, it's a sure bet. Oh, dude, I, I can't believe this. Take a pause and take a look at both sides. And then secondly, I also think that if you're talking about the NFL, it's easy to get caught up in what happened one week before. And sometimes it's it's much better. In fact, most of the time, it's better to take a step back and say, all right, that's one game. Let me look at a trend or let me take sort of an, a top-down view of the season as opposed to one week. The Broncos are a good example because, everyone remembers when the Dolphins dropped 70 points on them. But since then, the Broncos have been one of the best defenses in the National Football League. They've won five straight, and they've done it with their defense. So if you got caught up in one game saying, I can't believe the Dolphins dropped 70 on the Broncos, the Broncos sucked, well, you'd be out a lot of money right now. So that's what I've gotten better at over time is not getting caught up in these week-to-week results And I think it's probably helped me just do more analysis and not get, not have these knee jerk reactions.
1: Right. And teams can improve. Like we have seen this, especially when you have a team that has a new head coach. Sean Payton is not a new coach to the NFL, but he is a new coach for the organization. So it's not surprising that it would take a little bit of time for him to adapt to new players, for the players to adapt to his new schemes. And so on and so forth. And it's funny you mention the Broncos because I mm-hmm. asked myself this question. Okay, the Broncos' stock has been steadily climbing since they mm-hmm. beat the Chiefs and they have looked like a much better team over the last few weeks. But at one point is the stock going to start dipping? Because do you think we're in a stage for the Broncos where there is still room for improvement and you think the stock is still climbing Or do we wait and we say, okay, maybe the stock is topping out here. Maybe we need to be very cautious looking at the Broncos.
0: I honestly think the Broncos are playing about as well as they can play right now. Having watched a little bit of Broncos football, I don't know how much more they can improve. I think they've kind of hit their ceiling. They can keep winning, but and that defense will keep them in games, and that's why I think it will remain close throughout the rest of the season if you're looking at their schedule. And watching Russell Wilson, he's not the Russ of old. He has gotten better. But what they've done is it seems to me that Sean Payton has sort of pared down that offense a little bit. They run the ball a lot. They put Russell in spots where he can succeed, and they rely on defense and field position. So it's a smart way to play. This is when you take a roster, and this is why I appreciate what Sean Payton has done, even though I'm not a huge Sean Payton guy. He's saying, here's the pieces that we have what is our best way to win football games? And right now he's found the best way to win football games, but I don't think the Broncos are good enough to go on some sort of incredible run. I don't know if this is the spot you sell high on them. It might be, but I I think they're close to their ceiling.
1: Yeah, I'm worried about it, but to tease my teasers, the Broncos may be one of my teaser legs. So let's get into it. Who ruins my teaser this week? I think we have a little sounder, and a little graphic. Do we not? Maybe not. Maybe we need Vanna White here <laughs> to point to the board. Uh, just <laughs> kidding. So let's get into my teaser teams. We've been talking about the Broncos, and they happen to be one of my teaser leg options this week. So the basic line is the Texans laying 3.5 at home to the Broncos. If you put it in a teaser, which if you're new to teasers, you get six points in your favor. So the Broncos, instead of getting 3.5, are now getting nine and a half points against the Texans. We know the story on C.J. Stroud is that he has looked like the best rookie quarterback by far of any quarterback in the league. But like you said, the Broncos have been playing really well. And I think Mm -hmm. the key for the Broncos to keep it close here because I just need them to lose by nine or fewer points. Uh, So I think they can do that because they're a team that likes to play ball control. They like to run the football. They have a really good defense. And I'm not sure if I put the Texans in that category of a team that I think is going to blow out the Broncos here. So I will take the Broncos as my first teaser leg, getting nine and a half on the road at the Texans. Here's teaser leg number two. And this one makes me a little nervous, but I do think it's the right call because we've already seen some money come in on this team. We're talking about the Steelers. Do they really deserve to be laying five and a half points to anybody? Probably not. The Steelers have not won a single game this year by double digits. So you can get the Cardinals plus 11 and a half. I think that is the play there. Last week, the Cardinals did not look good, but Sean McVay absolutely owns Arizona. So I think I'll take the Cardinals plus 11 and a half and the Broncos plus nine and a half. Those are my first two legs. So, Jinx, before we proceed to number three, do you have a problem with either of those teaser legs?
0: Hmm. No, I don't, Chelsea. I like your teasers. I'm always a fan of your teasers. I. You know what scares me? Honestly, the Broncos scare me just a little bit. Just because the Texans are at home. They have an explosive offense. I, 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 I believe... The Broncos can keep this close just because of their defense. But if you're talking about them maybe hitting a ceiling, this could be a spot where they just have an off game. It's hard to win six straight in the NFL. I think that's the one that scares me more than anything else. But also, you get the Broncos defense against a rookie quarterback, and I understand that C.J. Stroud is having a fantastic season. He's still a rookie, so I still like it, but that's the one that worries me.
1: I also think if you can run the ball with the Broncos, that's when they can be really successful. Like you said, if they're not relying on Russell Wilson too heavily, that's when they Mm -hmm. have put up really good numbers. And so far this year, Russell Wilson actually has really good numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but his touchdown to interception ratio is actually really good. Here it is, 20 touchdowns to only four picks this year. Those are pretty solid numbers for a quarterback that looked to be in the dumpster just last season. So let's look at a third option. And this is where it kind of gets tricky because I do like those first two, the Cardinals and the Broncos, but this one looks almost too square for me to take it. The Eagles are getting two and a half points at home against the Niners. Yes, the Niners are probably the best team in football. One could make the argument that the Eagles are, Mm -hmm. but if you put them in a teaser, the Eagles are now getting eight and a half points. I have actually seen this situation before Wasn't this the line for the Chiefs game? And I thought to myself, hmm, maybe we should put the Eagles in a teaser. I'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. they won that game outright, did they not? I need to double check. But still, the point being, the Eagles at home, if you're getting eight Mm -hmm. and a half points with the Eagles at home against anybody, it feels like a solid play. But is this too square to make it into my teaser? I like it.
0: I I can't imagine the Eagles getting blown out at home by the Niners. But I will say this. This is a bad spot for the Eagles. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: there's a reason why the spread, at least, has gone from, what, Niners minus one and a half to Niners minus two and a half. And it's because the Niners have had 10 days off. Remember, they played on Thanksgiving. So you're talking about a team that's going to be well-rested against an Eagles team that had to go to overtime against Buffalo and had to rally from behind. I can assure you. If the Eagles fall behind against the Niners like that, they're not rallying against that 49ers defense like they did against the Bills. So I I can't imagine the Eagles at home losing by that many points, but I will say it's not a great spot for the Eagles considering that they had to go to the extra session and the Niners are just waiting around.
1: Yeah. Especially because look at the schedule that the Eagles have played. They Mm -hmm. have played the Cowboys chiefs bills in overtime and now they get the Niners, and then the week after, they get the Cowboys. Like, what a gauntlet of a stretch mm-hmm. for the Philadelphia Eagles. And here's the thing about the Eagles. They have played some bad halves of football. I don't think you can necessarily get away with that if the Niners are playing the dominating football that we know that they are capable of doing. Like, we have right. seen kind of cracks in the armor for the Eagles where sometimes their run defense doesn't look especially stout. And, you know, who better to take advantage of that than the Niners who have a great offensive line and some of the best weapons on the offensive side of the football And Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. So I think that's why the line is where it's at. So maybe I'll take them out of the teaser and maybe I will just play the Niners on the money line. Minus 145. Do we like that? Uh, Or do you think the Eagles drum up some more magic?
0: No, I don't. I I love the Niners here. I will not be here on Friday for our pick six, but if I were doing my pick six, I would take the Niners. This is a great spot for San Francisco, a great spot. And you were saying it earlier. I don't really believe this narrative, but if the Eagles are truly lucky to be 10 and one, I don't think they're lucky to be 10 and one. I do agree. There are times when they haven't looked as dominant as we saw last season. I just think it sets up really well for San Francisco here. So i I would take San Francisco and plus you're getting it less than a field goal. So Niners minus two and a half would be a play I'm on.
1: Yeah, that or the money line at minus 145, yep. even if it's a nail biter down to the final second of the game. Because I do think at some point the Eagles are going to start losing these close games and the Niners really, really good. In fact, some would say they're the best team in football. All right. So coming up after the break, we take a full look At the full slate, our first impression rose handed out next on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM.